Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this chilly Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 23rd of January. This is your host, Justin Brown, and today I'm joined by my wonderful producer, Joey Gonzalez, co-host Kobe Jackson, and J.P. Flanagan. We're excited to have you back in the studio, and we have a great show planned for you this morning. But before we get started, let's throw it to Kobe for a quick word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio, located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 and Guadalupe Street in San Marcos. Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, Kobe. We're going to get right into it with Bobcat basketball as both these teams, their conference play has been underway and they had two big games Saturday. But first, let's start about talk about the Texas State women's basketball team who is 13 and six overall five and three in Sunbelt play after they lost a very tight one, 45 to 43 at South Alabama last Saturday. South Alabama, a team that's five and 14 overall, and they just got their first conference win in this one. Guys, it was a loss by a last second drive driving layup for the South Alabama Jaguars. What is y'all's thoughts on this women's performance that we saw so far? Yeah, I mean, Texas State has been on a bit of a roll lately. I mean, you're bound to lose some games in the Sunbelt Conference. It's a real competitive conference, no matter which way you look at it, men's or women's basketball. But I've been happy with the way this team played, despite the loss. Um, but once again, it's that those first quarter woes. This team has struggled to get things going early in ball games. Uh, lost the first quarter 13-8. to Tiana Eden led the way. No Denasia Hood, so people are going to need to keep stepping up, but... Yeah, I mean, if y'all want to bounce off that, the first quarter woes are really kind of what's holding this team back. Yeah, looking at the box score, you can tell this this game wasn't really full of the offensive firepower um, as seen in previous weeks from Texas State. Um, you'd like to see that change, especially since, you know, you're building a win streak but and a little bit disappointed to see a loss to a team that is struggling to find wins themselves. Um, but obviously this team has, still has to look forward to the Sun Belt tournament and potential there. Um, but yeah, don't doubt the Sun Belt Conference, especially with a team like South Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of going back off of, you know, Joy, what you were saying, you know, kind of first game, you know, first quarter, you know, jitters a little bit, you know, that tend, that sometimes does happen, especially in, in college basketball, because it kind of sets the tone of the game, whether if it's going to be a close or a close or if it's going to be a blowout. But I mean, they kept it close. But, you know, it's one of those rare occurrences where, you know, Texas State probably, you know, going into the game knew what they were going to do, but just probably didn't execute correctly or probably didn't, you know, get the right plays in. But I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, it kept it close. But yeah, no, that's, you know, a big loss, especially in the Sun Belt Conference. But they'll, I feel like they'll probably, you know, like rejuvenate and, you know, bounce back from that loss and, you know, possibly get a new momentum start. And you speak of these first quarter woes. If you look at the box score, they combined both these teams were doing very scrappy things in the beginning. 37 turnovers both these teams combined for. Neither team shot over 35% from the field. And if you look at this game, this is the fewest points that the Bobcats have scored all season. This was 43 points. So both these teams obviously had a chippy start. The Jaguars are trying to get their first conference win, but the Bobcats just were caught unexpectedly, and they have lost now. It says that 
Texas State has lost three of their last four against South Alabama, but all-time series they lead 11-4. to The Bobcats, led by Tiana Eaton right now without Denasia Hood, she had a great double-double, as Joey mentioned, and they're going to need to try and put that ball in her hands and continue to give it to Kennedy Taylor as well. And so this floor, this team will need to face off against Old Dominion. That'll be their next road game. That'll be the last road game of their four-game road swing. And that is against a team that's 13-8 and overall, 5-3 and in conference. And that game will be Thursday, January 26th at 5.30 p.m. And you can catch that game on ESPN+. But we're going to take another transition to another team, and that's the Texas State men's basketball team. And I wanted a lot, a lot of time for this because of performance. Um, the Texas State men's basketball team, we talked about them last week. Last last week, they played against Marshall Thundering Herd. It was a whiteout game. 3,183 fans attended. This game last Saturday, 3,397 fans oh, wow. were in attendance. More fans than last time. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that and why that was. But they lost by 9 points, 60-51 to 51 against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who are 16-4 and four overall, 6-2 and two in conference. And the Bobcats, after losing this one, are now 10-11 and 11 overall, 3-5 and five in Sunbelt Conference. Guys, what is y'all's thoughts on this team and the fact that these fans are showing up you must think there's a lot more pressure on this team to perform when the fans show up. Yeah, there's a there's a lot more pressure, like Justin, like you said, with the fan base. But I mean, the game I was, you know, I was in the studio producing the game for um, for here at KTSW, and I was more surprised of the fact of how close it was in the first quarter because because I, I was I was able to you know to watch the game a little bit, and it was I was really surprised that Texas State really hung in there in the first you know in the first half because everything was kind of going for them. How However, it did kind of get chi- it did kind of get chippy a little bit because there were some calls that uh, that should have gone you know Texas State's ways, but you know I'm you know not being biased here, but I mean so, you know it's just, it was one of those things. And then second half, it was kind of like there was a lot of miscues, like there was a lot of you know open uh, you know open shots that Texas State missed a lot, and I was more pleasantly surprised that that happened because normally if they have you know wide open looks, n- about maybe eighty percent of the time they usually knock them down. So, but you know that was just it was just stunning i was really surprised that you know texas state had you know the momentum in their hand and it it just it just got out of hand but that's their third straight loss and now you're kind of beginning to wonder if you know if they somehow you know maybe start having a little win streak maybe you know do they have you know pressure in you know going into conference play or will they you know kind of sustain where they're at now and possibly finish a little bit you know a little bit above 500 or you know, at 500. So that's kind of interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to throw the the records out the window real quick because Texas state has been tight in all these games. Kobe, you just mentioned how, how close these games have been. They played a really tight game with Marshall on Thursday night. They had a loss against ULM 61, 58, a victory against Arkansas state 61 to 58, um, a victory against JMU 63, 62, and a loss against Troy 55, 52. The reason I bring these things up is because the Sunbelt Conference is has to be one of the tightest mid mid major conferences right now in college basketball. Because you look at the number one team, six and two is Marshall, Texas State's three and five. That's a three game separation between the top team and Texas State, who's the fourth fourth lowest team in the Sunbelt Conference. So I'm bringing all this up because I think despite Texas State not looking not looking red hot lately. This is a team who night in and night out has is giving the opportunity to win ball games. And they kept it close with the UL or with the Louisiana team that 
they had a lot of guys that that could make plays and Mason Harrell wasn't even playing in that game and Jordan Mason stepped up with 19 points so I think if you have a healthy Mason, healthy Mason Harrell and you get somebody else to step up I think this is a Texas State team who can compete with any team in the Sunbelt Conference yeah, and a team that's gonna a team that's trying to replace its best player coming into the year, it's gonna have its struggles. And obviously, one of the struggles that you mentioned is you know closing out these close games. But to speak to the Sun Belt's strengths, it's it's really just one of the best mid major conferences out there, outside the Power Five. And that's something to be proud of the te- that the Sun Belt is building for these schools. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad Texas State gets to be a part of it. And one thing that I really just like to highlight is obviously that Justin did earlier is the, the Texas State uh, students are now showing up to the games, and that's kind of a, a good momentum to um, future and better seasons, obviously. But um, good to see at least attendance numbers improving. And, you know, hopefully I'll get to go to a game here soon as well. (laughs) Yes, this team, I mean, this game, I mean, I I love to see more fans at this game. It was a pleasure to see all the fans in attendance. And it makes me wonder, will the fans keep showing up? If they keep seeing, like you saw last Thursday against Marshall, a very close game, a game where it was tied majority of the time, the Bobcats had a small lead, and then they let go of it in that final quarter. I mean, that final, you know, eight minutes of the half, final four minutes of the half, like this one. And it makes you wonder if these fans will continue to show up or they're going to be disheartened by these continued losses where, you know, it seems like it's a close one and they just let it go. I think a big part of that and a big reason why this team is having that happen is they need that consistency. We talk about Mason Harrell being out. You know, Jordan Mason is a rookie. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be the guy that's the leading scorer on your team. You should see players like Nate Martin, who in last week against Marshall, he has over 15 points. His average is only six points. You see in this one, he only gives you eight. Brandon Davis, a player that we saw him and Mason Harrell win Patty Mills player, you know, player recognition awards when they played in that Hawaii tournament earlier this season. And you see him in this game get 22 minutes played with one point. That is something that you can't see if you're going to want to win ball games, especially Tyrell Morgan. He's playing 37 minutes. This player is giving play this team at least 12 points a game. Right now, he's only giving you eight. So it, it, it's definitely consistency is going to be you know needed in these players, and maybe a, ne- a next level or, or sorry, next level of urgency needed mm-hmm. for these players. I don't know if it's Coach TJ, but if they need that, they need this consistency if they want to try and remain dominant Sunbelt play like they have previous seasons. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the the fact about Brandon Davis. He's there's some nights where he comes in and he looks great. Some nights he doesn't, mm-hmm. averaging seven points a game. And as as Justin mentioned, it's just like where where is that consistency? You get to see it. Uh, Nate Martin he had a really good game on Thursday night, and then he gets fouled out and has six points. So it's just, I mean, it, it's hard to put it on Coach TJ if mm-hmm. if whenever the guys are coming out, you don't know who you can rely on. You try to run a play through through a certain player and they can't perform that night. So to Justin's point, yeah, it's this is going to come down to consistency, especially once March hits. Yeah, Georgia. I mean, well, sorry, this this next game they're going to have to face against Georgia Southern. I mean, this is what they're looking at right now. And that's a team that has size in the paint. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is in this last game against Arkansas State. I mean, the last game against Louisiana Raging Cajuns, um, they lost by their points in the paint. They had a 10 point disadvantage in that, you know, 28 points in the paint for the Raging Cajuns. And the Bobcats only have 18 points in the paint. If they want to try and maintain their presence, they usually are in the paint. And that's what they're doing. And right now. 
they they're not they're very lacking. And they're, when they have guards out like Mason Harrell and Brandon Davis are not delivering, you should push the ball in the paint. And, and here that was not the case, and they suffered and they lost this game because of it. So I think there's a lot to come from in this loss, and they're definitely going to have to think about it in their next game against Georgia Southern. Um, I mentioned that Georgia Southern game is going to be next. It's going to be this Thursday, January 26th, and that game will be at home against Strain Arena. This team is 12 and nine overall, five and three in conference. A game that's a team that's very similar to them in conference play. Um, but the Bobcats are four and seven against the Eagles in season series history. And the last time the Bobcats played against the Georgia Southern Eagles was a while ago. It was February, it was February 20th of 2020, and they won that game 70 to 55. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Bobcats can turn around this losing streak that they're on right now. And hopefully some fans will come in attendance and not leave with the frown on their face. <laughs> but don't worry and don't go anywhere. We got more Bobcat radio on the other side of this break. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I have my producer, Joey Gonzalez, my co-host, J.P. Flanagan, and Kobe Jackson, and this is your host, Justin Brown. As we talked about before the break, we were talking about Bobcat basketball, but we have to talk about San Marcos High School basketball. As the boys' basketball team in San Marcos High School are 28-2 overall, 3-0 in district, and on the season so far, and they're currently on a 22-game win streak. They haven't lost a game since November 21st, and yes, that is not a typo, and that is not misinformation. That is completely true. They are doing dominant, and they are just beating Judson, the Judson Rockets, in a very close game, 68-66. to That was an away game last Friday night. You know, this is a huge performance for the Rattlers. We saw three Rattlers in double digits where Caden Gums, the Texas State commit, he had 27 points. Malik Presley had 15, and Mateus Perkins with 12. Guys, what is y'all's thoughts on this Rattler team? And you know how hard it is to maintain a 22-game win streak at any <laughs> level of basketball? It, it really is, especially in high I know, I mean, it's hard enough to do it in the NBA, but, I mean, to do it in high school, that's just downright, impre- just downright impressive. But like we talked about earlier this season, you know, the, uh, the Rattlers – these guys are like in it to win. And I think obviously last year with the big scare that they had against uh, Westlake, you know, them in a different conference. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that a lot this past, uh, this past, uh, uh, this past year so far, but I mean, this, this team is hot. They're red hot. And honestly, they just beat it. The, they just beat the tough, the three toughest teams in this district and beating Clemens steel and Judson, the main powerhouses of this district, but their next game is going to be probably the toughest of them all, and that is the New Braunfels Unicorns, who actually are right behind them in district. But, I mean, like you said, you know, Kanan Gums and, you know, Malik Presley, both of these guys, I mean, have been nothing short of all-time greatness, especially in, you know, in the community as well. And I know we mentioned, you know, McDonald's uh, All-American nominees. So, I mean, this team is loaded. Everything that they have put in the work for during the offseason is leading up to this, only having two losses on the year. I mean, this this Rattler team is, is really special yeah really special indeed these two teams kobe you mentioned this is going to be a tough task i'll tell you why right now san marcus is number four in 6a and your brothels is number six in 6a so number four versus numbers versus number six in texas 6a boys basketball it's going to be a tight one and between these two teams combined they have five losses on the year this is going to be some explosive boys basketball. You got Malik Presley, Caden Gums, Javen Kofer. And then just real quick, I just want to mention that um, good bounce back for Matias Perkins. He didn't have the best game last Tuesday night, so yeah. good 
to see him uh, show up on Friday and turn things around and get into double digits. Yeah, I mean, this is an impre- impressive Rattlers team. I'm getting to good teams get out of these close games, and they were able to pull it off against a tough Judson team. Um, New Braunfels is looking at this schedule, and they're like, well, this is the number one team in the San Antonio-Austin area. H- how If we beat them, are we the number one team? And I think this brings a lot of momentum to New Braunfels in this game just all around. Um, but one thing I do, would like to mention is they have to play Judson again later this season. Mm-hmm. One thing they do have going for them is that it will be a home game, so that hopefully like the fans will help build that momentum. But uh, they got to play Judson, Steele, and New Braunfels t- two times to, to close the season out. So this will be a good tell for where this season or this team can go in the playoffs. I mean, a few losses wouldn't hurt them though. I mean, considering where they can go in the playoffs. Well, this was a good win. It's a 68-66 to 66 win, but I believe that Coach Miller, after the game, he's not happy with this. Oh, no. Because Judson is 16-12 and 12 on the season overall. The Rattlers are 28-2. and two. This should have been a cakewalk. Now, the Coach Coach Dan Miller, he knows that this team, this Rattler team, can go into your, your stands, go into your arena, and they can blow your team out. Mm-hmm. And he was probably expecting that with this Judson team. You have the same energy. You have the same momentum. You have three players in double digits. I believe, Coach Miller, this is a win, but it's a win that you can't walk away smiling with necessarily because this game was way too close. If they want to be the dominant team that they think they are and if they want to be as dominant as New Braunfels, games like against Judson that's 16-12, and 12, you should expect a 15-point win. This shows that the Rattlers were having some indifference or having some strugglers in those struggles in those first few quarters, and if they can't clear that up, I mean, they could see themselves losing in the playoffs against a team like Judson, a team that gets that opportunity to play in the playoffs, but they didn't have the same regular season success. You you have to maintain that consistency. Now, do I know anything about winning 22 games in a row? (laughs) No. Do any of us in here know how to do that? No. No. But that is definitely going to have to be a point of emphasis for Coach Miller right now because, you know, I I just believe that it should have been more of a a bigger win. Well, just one thing, if if we are going to try to – pick flaws in a way that this team can improve it's the free throw line how did they lose last year in the playoffs it was at the free throw line Malik actually missed that shot and if you if you want to go deep in state you got to clean up the free throw shooting and honestly the defense could step it up also there's a team who could score a lot of points but when it comes down to i mean high school basketball there's no shot clocks so can can you get those defensive stops in the month of march yeah, I mean, like like you said before, free throws are a, a must. No other if it's high school, college, or or the NBA, because they could lead to a lot of you know possible good things and sometimes possible bad things. And like you said, in San Marcos's case last year, it was a bad case. You know, a missed free throw got them eliminated from playoff. You know, obviously from playoffs you know, contention. But I think you're right about you know the defense and you know stepping up in their defensive game because. You know, you know, you know, you know, as they say, defense wins championships. So, but it, I, know, I know that's more turns like towards football standpoints, but basketball is the same, is honestly the same way, you know, and I, I still have a strong believer in that. But I mean, you know, I, like you said, I think Dan Miller will, you know, kind of regroup and, you know, kind of evaluate what were the miscues that happened against Judson and they'll learn from that and try to improve that on improve that a lot more when they go against New Braunfels uh, upcoming tomorrow. Yes, as you mentioned, they will be playing New Braunfels tomorrow and that game is going to be an away game and that will be against oh apologies that is a home game where Kobe Jackson will be on the call and that is a going to be a very close one so you should definitely tune in and hear that one that game is going to be at 7 p.m but tune in around 6 45 650 for the pregame and that will be on KTSW 899 
But we are not done yet, and we're going to get to Nationals, and we're going to talk about NFL. So if anybody's listening and eager to hear that, don't worry. That will be coming. But first, <laughs> we're going to talk about track and field. First time mentioning them so far this semester, and their season is right underway, and they just finished up at the Red Raider Open in Lubbock, Texas. And, guys, this is where we saw five Bobcats you know, five records get broken by Bobcats and just going to spit out a few of them to y'all. Cedricia Wynn had a school record in the women's 60 meter. She has that in 7.33. That is a school record and a personal best record for Cedricia Wynn. Um, we saw more records. We saw Cedricia Wynn get the same thing in the 60 meter hurdles. She has a school record now in that as well. Cedricia Wynn is a great player for this track team, and she's doing amazing things. We saw Daniel Harold set the 60-meter hurdle record mm -hmm. with 7.80. That's a school record and a personal record best. And then we also saw um, – apologies for this. We also saw the – Dominic Yancey set a school record in the 400 meter. That is a the men's 400 meter. He did that in 46.48 seconds. I mean, yeah, seconds. So just an amazing. That's 46 seconds. What can you do in 46 seconds? I can tie my <laughs> shoes in 46 seconds, not run around a track. I, I don't know about y'all. I might need a lot more water than that. Um, and then we saw Bavinsky Pierre. He set the 200 meter record. He tied the school record. That's with 20.97 seconds. Yeah, as I mentioned, 20 seconds. What can you do in 20 seconds? I don't know. <laughs> But, guys, what are y'all's thoughts on this? I mean, this Texas State track team doesn't get the attention it deserves. I mean, they've set records left and right. We've seen Dominic Ancy do this last year. Absolutely. We saw Alyssa Wilson with the hammer throw. I mean, hammer yeah, hammer throw yeah, last hammer throw. year. Yeah. So, guys, what are your thoughts on this Bobcat team and how they're breaking records left and right? I mean, you can't really – I mean, like you said, breaking records left and right. I know we talked about – we've been talking about Dominic, uh, Dominic Yancey a lot this past – obviously last year and then now obviously this year. I mean, he – you know, and we had a chance to interview him when we did claw, uh, an episode Claws to the Wall, which you can catch uh, on KTSW as well. But, I mean, we – I mean, there's not uh, – I mean, people don't understand. Track and field is – I mean, people call it boring, but I actually personally like it because – it really shows the endurance of athletes and you know how you know how far they run how you know how long they go it's it's insanity and i know you know specific athletes are made for you know specific events dominic dominic yancey is made for like long distance type of runs he's got you know fast paced speed i mean what a true athlete you know you can't really you can't really say much you can't really you know identify nicks little little nips and pieces that you know that he doesn't have so I'm 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 really impressed, and obviously I know we talked about Alyssa Wilson as well, but I mean, I mean so far it's off to a great start. And, you know, like you said, breaking records left and right. I mean, if they can continue this, I know I remembered that there was one record that was broken last year, and it was Pat and you know you know you know obviously famous Charles Austin. That record was broken last year, and that was. That was a record that has been held for many, 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 many years. I mean, Charles Austin, he's an Olympic, absolutely. You know, Olympic well, medalist. Well, yeah. absolutely, of course. <laughs> but, I mean, that record has been on air for, or has existed for such a long time, and that obviously got broken last year. So I'm willing to bet that there's going to be probably even more records broken this year if track and field keep performing like they are performing this year. Yeah, um, this is, again, another Dominic Yancey impressive performance. He coming off last week, Sunbelt uh, track player or men's track athlete of the week, um, having an impressive uh, sub-21 second 200 meter, and then also um, having a stellar performance in the 4x400 meter. 
Um, really just wanting to keep building momentum with this team. I'm glad Texas State is, again, putting emphasis on sports other than football and really trying to build a culture within this, the school and the city. And, I mean, that's something we can all look forward to here living in San Marcos. Um, but, yeah, just trying to build up um, more momentum and having a stellar performance against a, an in-state school like uh, the Red Raiders and really performing to your strengths um, can lead to more better things down in the future. Yeah, Justin, I just want to say I'm glad we had the opportunity to bring this up because not often do we get to talk about track. And honestly, we, sh- we should be because, I mean, the, be. the records that this team is able to produce is impressive. And I just think Cedrica wins 8.14 school record in PR. I mean, she's getting pushed to the next level. The winner of that race was Kentucky's Masai Russell, mm-hmm. won the race with an NCAA record 7.75. Oh, wow. So Texas State is going up against some of the best indoor track teams in the nation. So for them to be setting these records, I think is a good thing and hopefully transitions into the indoor championships later in the year. Bobcats not afraid to compete with the best of the best, and we see that a lot of them are breaking school records while doing it. So it's showing that they're putting forth their most effort. So we will give you all more coverage of Texas State track as they continue to play and do their next track open. Their their next track open is going to be... I was saying Houston, Houston it is Invitational. Going to be Houston, the Houston Invitational, and that is going to be at what time? Um, what day is that? Uh, this fr- uh, this Friday uh, in Houston, Texas. Gotcha. This Friday in Houston, Texas. So if you're in Houston, stop by and look at some Texas State track. But guys, we're going to zoom out of Texas State. We're going to zoom out of San Marcos. We're going to talk about some national sports. And for football fans, last weekend was a exciting weekend for some, and a very sad weekend for some. And we'll talk about these games, guys. <laughs> But first, I want to talk about the big guy, the big game that everyone wants to talk about. And I'm going to start with this one. I know y'all want to maybe finish this with this one, but I want to talk about it now. Cowboys, 49ers. Dak Prescott had an abil- had a chance to have one of the biggest games in his career. He had one of the biggest ones in his career against the Buccaneers. First time the Cowboys won an away playoff game in 30 years. Now they're going to have to do, they had to do that again, and they fell short of Brock Purdy and the 49ers. Guys, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, Brock Purdy showed how, how a seventh-round draft pick can make a $40 million a year player look absolutely <laughs> foolish out there. I mean, give props to both defenses, though. I mean, they both played great. It really was a defensive game. I mean... But I, I feel like early in the game it was six to six or nine to nine, and they were talking about how poorly Brock Purdy was doing, like controlling the offense. And I was just like, "Well, it's nine and nine. It, Dak has the same issue. He can't score either." So it really just—I'm glad Brock Purdy's still in these playoffs. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to him potentially winning out and having an undefeated career at this point, and then a Super Bowl, and then he creates some havoc in San Francisco with who's going to start next year. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. And honestly, I think I'm going to hop on this Brock Purdy train and probably root it out to the end of the season. Well, all I'm gonna say is this: as a as okay, well, I'll get to my little Steelers you know spill later when we do uh, <laughs> Bengals and Bills. But Dallas, let me, I'll just say this much: Dallas's defense absolutely balled yesterday. I'm gonna, I will give him that because Demarcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons were all over Brock Purdy yesterday. However, as typical Cowboy fashion, their offense just did not have it. Again, once again, it's been it's been an ongoing trend for the Dallas Cowboys. They can make it either past the wild card, but can't go past the divisional round, or they can't even get out of the wild card spot. We've seen I've seen it with you know Tony Romo at quarterback, and now I've seen it with Dak. And honestly, it makes me sick, like to my stomach. I'm not gonna lie to you. But 
big congratulations to the 49ers. I think Brock Purdy really did a, a, a really decent job, even though you know the D- Dallas defense was all over him. Didn't throw any touchdown passes, didn't throw an interception. So, I mean, if you look at that, I think that's I think that's a decent game. I know, you know, not throwing any touchdown passes kind of kills the mood, but I mean, they played they played pretty well and the Niners defense kind of stepped up a little bit. I've been thinking this all season long and the Cowboys are too inconsistent to win a Super Bowl. Now, anybody can come at me, but that's the truth. I mean, you can play a great game. I said this last Friday. You can play a game like when they played the Vikings and look impressive, and then you play a game like the Commanders or when you played against 49ers and you just you you look static. You can't you can't do anything. And I think offensively comes down to the second quarter. Tony Pollard went out Mm -hmm. and according according to sources at ESPN, he's in the surgery with a fractured left fibula. And you got to think, what are the, what are the Cowboys going to do with Tony Pollard? He'll be a free agent this off season and Zeke couldn't get anything going for them. So maybe you look into Tony Pollard as your future because you notice he went down in the second quarter. They were getting ready to go down for a touchdown. Dak throws a pick, and honestly, the game turns from there. So I don't know. Maybe Tony Pollard could be have, could have a future in Dallas. It will be interesting to see. Uh, the, there was so much to take away from this game. You know, I think the Cowboys are the most expensive sports franchise in the world currently, and you still can't get there. So it just shows that, you know, you could save a lot more money if you're using a seventh round, you know, quarterback <laughs> like Brock Purdy instead of a $40 million quarterback that can't snap the ball in time. Um, but, uh, you know, what I will say is this. Yeah, Brock Purdy, I'm going to go for the 49ers all the way now in the playoffs because I love to see this story. You know, a, you know, a seventh round pick. He's doing amazing. He's undefeated so far. And I, I want to see him do great. Jimmy G's out of there. I like to see Mr. Ego out of there. So Mr. it's Ego. really cool. Um, we're going to talk about one more game i mean what what okay do we really need to talk about the chiefs and the jags i mean come on guys i mean who, who bet on the jags i, I, maybe I mean one person um but i will talk about the Bengals and bills because oh, this yeah. game is huge and and this was a big showcase we saw josh allen mvp candidate get knocked out by joe shiesty a game where it was snow all over the field guys what are your thoughts on this one we got to keep it a little sweet because we're short on time but what do y'all think i mean this is one you thought would go the bills way just because of weather circumstances and it really just being like a home field advantage for them but just disappointing that that Josh Allen couldn't show why we all were hyping him up so much and really just the potential there. But I mean, give props to the Cincinnati. I, I think they're honestly bound for another championship if they can, you know, beat Patrick Mahomes. But uh, yeah, I, I underestimated the Cincinnati team definitely. And uh, I mean, like last year, but I, I think I see good things in them to make the championship. I don't know if they're going to win one, but the Cincinnati team definitely proved things and I think honestly they had the the hardest game out of any of any of the teams in the playoffs currently like they had to beat the Bills and then I'm proud they played last week but they had more Baltimore yeah the yeah. Baltimore they had to play some tougher teams and others some other teams yeah I mean and you know I I underestimated I underestimated the Bengals because honestly I thought it'd be a lot closer but no that was that was a shellacking oh my goodness I can't even I can't even I can't hate on them because you know Joe Burrow is absolutely you know phenomenal and he's going up against Patrick Mahomes who he has not lost to yet and I'm gonna literally specify that not yet so 
I mean, this Bengals team is really, really red hot, and if they can keep it going into Arrowhead, I remember when Joe Burrow, after the uh, in the interview, was talking about uh, when uh, Tracy was asking about the neutral site, and he was like, "Give them all they refunds back." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was funny, but I mean, this Bengals team is really hot, no question. Yeah. Oh, Joey. Well, I was just gonna say, JP, I was with you last year whenever I wasn't sold on the Bengals, but. I think I think this team has what it takes to get back to a Super Bowl. Uh, as Kobe just mentioned, Joe Burrow has Patrick Mahomes' number and the Chiefs' number, so I think that he could go in there, take it inside of Arrowhead, and he might be going back to the Super Bowl. And honestly, it just reminds me of back when he was at LSU and he won the national championship. Yeah, yeah. Bengals 49ers Super Bowl is going to be really interesting to watch. You know, hey, that, <laughs> maybe that that's just my prediction. But uh, what I will say about this Bengals game before we get out of here, the reason why they won. The rushing yards. Joe Mixon, 105 yards. No Absolutely. one on the other team on the Bills even had more than 27 rushing yards. The defense from the Bengals was extraordinary. No running offense for the Bills. But, yes, Joey, let's start to you for a quick little weather update. It is a little chilly outside today, Joey. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's going to be chilly the rest of the week. And as I said on Friday, you will not catch me outside. The high for this week will be 73, and that will be on Sunday. But as of right now, it is 54 degrees with a high of 60, and you can catch that around 5 or around 3 p.m. So if you enjoy the cold, go out for a walk because today's your day. Thank you, Joey. I can expect to see you under three blankets in your room. Um, but <laughs> exactly. yeah, that's, that's all of our time for today. Make sure with up with everything, everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us on KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For J.P. Flanagan, Kobe Jackson, Joey Gonzalez, and me, Justin Brown, I hope that you enjoyed listening to this Monday editions of Bobcat Radio, and we hope to see you the same time Wednesday. And now we send you back to the other side of radio.